All right. Well, welcome to the Leadership Cares podcast. My name is Mike Thornton, owner-operator of Chick-fil-A Terrell Road. And if you're listening to this, there's a good chance that you are a part of our team and have been recently hired. And uh, welcome to the team. We're happy to have you. With me on the podcast will be our friend and uh, leadership development director, J.D. Allum. Hello. And uh, J.D. is a uh, podcast professional. <laughs> Having done this for many years, I'm very excited for Try him. Try to be at least. Yes. <laughs> I'm very excited for J.D. to be a part of this. And uh, we'll be uh, not just talking about us, but also through the course of this podcast, interviewing other people and um, just getting to know each other better. And also uh, learning about leadership. The name of the leader of the podcast is Leadership Cares, and the reason we name that is because that is at the core of what we do. We want to be an organization that cares for others. Uh, we want to be an organization that develops leaders, and we want to develop leaders that care for others. Absolutely. And, and so the whole point of this podcast is that a you would get a chance to know me as your owner operator better. Um, through you know, being able to tell my story and some of my philosophies on leadership. Um, but we're also going to get a chance to interview other people, interview some of my friends from within the Chick-fil-A community who have all been a huge part of my journey and my success and getting to hear their philosophies and um, just tactics around becoming good leaders. We'll also get a chance to, at times, talk to other members of our team and get to know them better. Uh, and that's where JD will get to come in a little bit more. So um, thanks for doing this with me, JD. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for uh, allowing me to do this. You know, this is a kind of a, a point that um, I, you know, I love doing podcasting. I love doing anything uh, creative like this. So thank you for allowing me to be part of this. And you're getting paid to do it. I know it's great. You're making money to <laughs> podcast. It's amazing. Yeah. It's I'll never a- forget the first time I got paid to do something I loved. It's revolutionary. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's actually a great lead in. Well, we hope that if you're a part of this team, uh, while it is going to be hard work and there's going to be those days, just like any job that, you know, it's it's hard mm-hmm. and you don't particularly care for it. Uh, we hope that as a whole, you do love what you do. Um, yeah. So, you know, my my heart and my philosophy on just, you know, the restaurant and the vision for the restaurant is that um, you feel cared for, you feel like you are empowered and uh, you're developing and that you leave here better than when you came in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and pro tip, if you need to scream, the walk-in cooler is the best place to do that. Yes, they're called cool, cooler <laughs> moments. When, you, when you're when you feeling a little crazy and you need just a moment, go, yeah. go take some time in the cooler. <laughs> I've been there many times myself. <laughs> so, Mike... Um, why, why did you choose this route to kind of talk to our team? Why, why podcasting? Why? Yeah, Yeah, no, it's, that's a great question. I, uh, am an avid consumer of podcasts. I listen to a number of different ones. Uh, I think it's a great medium. Um, we'll get into this a little bit more in my story later, but I was in radio, uh, my career before Chick-fil-A. And so this is something that's very comfortable to me. Um, and you know, I was also trying to think of how can I get my team to know me uh, well, mm-hmm. the quickest. And uh, unfortunately, as much as I would love to have this one-on-one conversation with each and every person who comes to work for us, the truth is that would take a very long time. Yeah. So um, this is as a means for you to get to know me and uh, as a part of your journey working here at Chick-fil-A Charles Road. And um, yeah, I just really hope that this is something that you take with you and that you understand me a little better um, through the podcast. As we progress beyond just the get to know you phase, we'll also uh, utilize this for our leadership development program, which is something that JD is going to be heading up. And uh, it'll be a great way to instill leadership 
principles into our team, things that I'm passionate about without necessarily having to have, again, that one-on-one conversation each and every time. Uh, that does not go mean that I don't want to be personal and get to know everybody personally and have those conversations. I absolutely do. But this will also help with, um, you know, having that opportunity to know me better without necessarily having to sit down and hear me talk for an hour every single team, you know, team member. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that that's a great idea. Actually, it kind of starts everyone at the same, you know, jumping point. So that way it can, you already know, we already know your story. Well, now let's talk about, you know, where team member A is coming from. Right. You know? when, when I sit down with you, I want it to be about you. I want to be able to get to know you better. Um, I don't want to have to necessarily talk mostly about myself. You'll have already listened to this podcast, hopefully, and have a pretty good feeling about you know where I came from and how I got to be here yeah for sure well I mean let's start let's start right there then because I think that that's a great jumping off point why don't you tell us your story like what brought you to Chick-fil-a why why do you care yeah no that's that's a great question and that's uh, gonna be the crux of this first episode is just get to know your owner um, yeah. so yeah I was uh, born up here in uh, well actually in New York in uh, Rockland County, New York. Um, I'm not gonna tell you what year, <laughs> but uh, suffice it to say it was in the 80s. Uh -huh. And um, that's where I was born, that's where my family was from. Uh, mom and dad were high school sweethearts, met each other in uh, in high school and have been together since they were 18, which is unheard mm -hmm. of you yeah. know, today, so. Tommy and Gina. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, my dad didn't work on the docks though. Yeah, okay. Most kids are not even gonna get this reference. <laughs> um, but no, so they, uh, that's where they were from. That's where me and my brother and sister, I have a, a younger brother and sister. That's where we were all born. Mm -hmm. um, but in the 90s, actually 1990, my folks decided to move us uh, away from the New York area, uh, which was hard for them because that's where their family was from. But uh, it was becoming very expensive to live here. And the area we were in was not the best area. Yeah. Uh, and so to give us the opportunity for a better life, they moved us to Pennsylvania, which is where I grew up. Mm -hmm. I grew up just outside of Allentown, Pennsylvania. If anybody's familiar with the area or the song by Billy Joel, <laughs> yeah. another person people probably won't even understand. <laughs> um, but yeah, I grew up right outside of Allentown and that's where I spent all my formative years. Um, had a great childhood. You know, my dad worked two, at times three jobs to make sure we were taken care of and that my mom could stay at home and raise us. Um, and I'll, I'll always be very thankful for that, obviously. And that's where I get a lot of my work ethic is from seeing my dad work really hard his whole life. Uh, my mom instilled great values in us, just care and love. And uh, not that dad didn't, but that, that was more mom's strength was, mm -hmm. you know, uh, loving on people and uh, cooking. You know, that, that's where I get my yeah. love of, <laughs> of food from is my mother, my Italian mother who cooks amazing dishes, um, which I sometimes try to replicate as, as we just had some delicious chicken Parmesan dinner. Yeah, um, it was amazing. Had a great childhood um, growing up, went to a really good school where I grew up in, in Allentown. Um, lots of great friends. Some of them are still my friends to this day. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but typical, uh, you know, upbringing in terms of like, you know, just growing up at that time, you know, we had, uh, we didn't have much, but mom and dad made sure we had everything we needed. And, um, yeah, I, I had a look back on my childhood, very fond memories. Nice. Um, but you know, one of the other things that mom and dad instilled in me that is still very important to me today and, and really informs most of who I am is my faith. Uh, you know, just growing up in a Christian home, uh, going to church, 
you know, every Sunday, every Wednesday, sometimes Thursdays, anytime the doors were open, <laughs> we were at yeah. church. Uh, that's where all my best friends were. Uh, I, I honestly could not wait to get out of school so I could go to church to see yeah. my, my friends for youth group or whatever it was. And so, um, you know, that, that is still a big part of who I am today. It informs how I raise my family, uh, how I lead this business and just, you know, hopefully every aspect of my life, I don't get it right every day, but, uh, I try, you know, yeah, and I think yeah. that's at the crux of the Christian life is you're continually striving for, um, you know, being a better person. Yeah, so absolutely. yeah, that, that was, uh, my childhood. Um, shortly after my school years will jump through like high school to like college age in my mm -hmm. early twenties. Um, attended Penn state for my first year, year and a half in college. Didn't go well, did not take, uh, the freedoms that come with college very well. Um, not that I was a party animal or anything. I just, I did not care for school. Yeah. And so, uh, when I found out I did not necessarily have to be in class, I often was not, <laughs> yep. um, so, you know, got a lot of D's and F's my first semester uh -huh. in college. <laughs> um, actually my first three semesters in college, uh, so much so that I actually wound up leaving Penn state and I had to go, you know, find a different school and wound up going to uh, L tri C, which was a community college in my area for a little bit. And, um, yeah, just, I was really directionless, didn't know what I wanted to do. Uh, thought perhaps something in like marketing and communications cause, uh, I, I was creative and, you know, but also I had like big dreams. I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be a musician as you know, if you get to know me, you know, I love movies. I love music, um, play a number of instruments. Mm -hmm. And so that stuff was always important to me. Uh, but as we all know, those are next to impossible things to get a career <laughs> in. Um, and so I had to kind of try to find other outlets, things that would help me be around those things, but not necessarily doing them, right? So shortly after my first stint in college, I, I wound up dropping out. Uh, I wound up getting a job at a radio station, and that's where my radio background comes in. I had worked a number of other like, you know, smaller jobs, no career type jobs, but, you know, worked for Blockbuster Video. Again, I'm, I'm dating myself, um, <laughs> which was my, my favorite job in the whole world, honestly, at the time, because I got to talk about movies all day and be yeah. around movies all day. Uh, started with them back when there was still VHS. So <laughs> again, and, and if, I, I cannot wait until we start getting some questions from the kids who are coming to work yeah. for us. What's what the heck? VHS? What is a VHS? What was Blockbuster? <laughs> um, but if you're in, you know, that, that uh, 30 onward, mm -hmm. you know, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, there's still a blockbuster somewhere in middle America. There's one in Alaska. I thought, oh, okay, maybe it's Alaska. Then. There's like one, there's only one. And then they actually are thriving in Mexico. Really? Yeah. They still have a number of uh, blockbusters in Mexico wow. because they don't have the bandwidth for streaming that we do here. Okay. And so they still need to rent movies. See, I don't understand why blockbuster, I mean, this is going to be a common podcast about something <laughs> completely different. So let's not go down that road. <laughs> go on with your story. I, I have also, <laughs> if you want to really go down the road about why blockbuster is defunct, that, that's a great story for another time. And it actually plays into leadership and vision. They did not have, they couldn't see the future. And that was a big part of it. Episode three, man. Yeah. Well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But uh, the whole point of bringing up Blockbuster was that, you know, I had other jobs prior to when I got in radio, but nothing that was a career. You know, I sold furniture at yeah. one point. I, I uh, worked at, uh, well, no, I mean, I, I worked in a furniture store and I had worked for a couple of different video stores, um, but those were my main jobs. And then I got this job at this radio station. Initially, I was a tech, a sound tech. I would go yeah. in mostly on weekends, sometimes on nights and I would go on what we'd call a remote broadcast when a radio station goes and they broadcast from, you know, a car dealership or a store or something like that. So trying to promote something, mm -hmm. 
I would go and set up all the equipment, you know, the antenna and, you know, the tents and stuff like that. Um, so and it was a part-time job, just kind of getting my foot in the door. Yeah. But uh, luckily, the guy who was running what it was called the promotions department, it was really marketing and promotions, uh, he took a liking to me. And we got close and um, I started coming in to help him with some other projects. Uh, soon after that, he was like, hey, I, I need a assistant. Would you be interested in the job? And obviously I was. So uh, I had left. I had stopped going to school at that point, took on a full time job as a marketing and promotions assistant uh, for two radio stations that uh, were big where I grew up. So for like you, like like being so into music and stuff, you must have thought this was it. Like this was, this was your career. You oh, were moving up the ladder. hundred percent. Like I, I thought for sure I'd parlay this into working at like a, a record label yeah. or something like that. Uh, and that was the plan for a long time. It was either, you know, play out radio as long as I could, hopefully go to like a label and, you know, maybe even get to play music on uh, a label or, you yeah. know, for, I, I had given up dreams of being the star at this point. I, I yeah. thought maybe, you know, I could be on a backing track for Carrie Underwood or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Um, but yeah, it, it obviously didn't play out that way. So unfortunately, I, you know, I spent, I spent about a year and a half as the assistant uh, to the marketing and promotions director. And then he wound up getting another job and he left and they actually promoted me mm. to being in charge of the whole department. I had never done anything like this before. I was given control of an entire department, uh, working with, uh, I think about 10 to 12 people worked under me at that point, uh, working for a, the person who was in charge of the stations. And you know, honestly, I, I was 23 years old mm-hmm. and hadn't really had a mentor, hadn't had anybody show me what it meant to lead. Uh, I picked things up you know, outside of like what I learned from my father or my pastor, like in a business setting, I I didn't have anybody showing me those things. The guy who had the job before me was great, but we were really more like friends. And I learned a lot from him, but I didn't learn what it meant to lead and be really in tune on the details. And so when I took over that job, it it was hard. Uh, I enjoyed it. It was great, but I made a lot of mistakes and I grew a lot, you know, dropped a lot of balls, missed a lot of details. Uh, one of the worst things that ever happened was we had these vans that were like the vans for the, each station. Mm-hmm. And we take those out to these remote broadcasts. And I'll never forget, I got in so much trouble because uh, I was in charge of the vans, maintaining them, making sure they were registered and all that stuff. Uh, this particular year, I had missed the registration oh. on it and my boss was driving it and she got pulled over. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that that was not fun. But honestly really taught me to have a strong handle on details, making sure that every little thing is buttoned up because, you know, I got, I got reamed out for that, you know, and it was a presumably small thing, but she was embarrassed. Right. And so that I put myself in a bad position with my superior because I wasn't concerned about the details. Right. So anyway, spending that time at the radio station was huge. It taught me a lot. Uh, and I did think it was the, the end, like it was exactly what I wanted to do. I got to do some really cool stuff. I got to put on concerts. I got to work with record reps. I got to do events, um, you know, and, and I worked for a country radio station. And at the time, some of the biggest names in all of music now were coming up through the ranks, you know, Taylor Swift, Carrie Underwood. So speaking uh, of her though, what, what was, which song that Taylor Swift came out with was about you? Uh, I think it was Love Story. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a story for another time. I did not date Taylor Swift. <laughs> But yeah, I, I spent, you know, a few 
nights working for her and for her team doing some concerts and stuff. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, I never wanted to do anything else. So at this time, I had actually become friends with a Chick-fil-A operator. Mm -hmm. uh, a friend of a friend was dating his sister. It's a whole other thing. But like uh, I got to know the guy and great guy. And we'd hang out on the weekends and stuff like that. And uh, his name was Joe. And Joe had tried to recruit me a few times. And I was always like, no, dude, like you know, I'm hanging out with Carrie Underwood this weekend. Why would I come work for Chick-fil-A, <laughs> yeah. you know? Um, and really was not interested, right? Because I, again, I thought I'd found my calling. thought I found what I was going to do the rest of my life. Unfortunately, around 08, when the economy uh, took a hit and we went through the Great Recession, I lost my job. Radio took a huge hit. The uh, advertisers started pulling dollars left and right because the economy was in bad shape. And, you know, radio advertising is not exactly a necessity. So we started losing lots of money. The company that owned my stations, uh, they wound up declaring bankruptcy laying off thousands of people across the country, sold off all the radio stations to another radio company. Um, and I, I lost my job in that time. Mm -hmm. And it was devastating, man. My whole identity had become wrapped up in that job because I, I hadn't met my wife yet. Um, I didn't have a degree, right? Yeah. A lot of my friends had already started going on to bigger and better things with careers or getting married. And I was just kind of there, stuck, right? And always held on to this one job. This is the job. You know, I'm so cool because I get to do yeah. all this fun stuff and my friends don't, right? But like, it had become such a part of my identity that when it was taken away, it really hit me hard. And I had to really do some soul searching and just trying to recover from having something taken away. Well, like when you think your future is mapped out, right? And that you know exactly what you want to do. Um, and honestly spent eight months unemployed just trying to get back in to the industry. Yeah. I applied for a number of different jobs at different radio stations, was willing to start back at the bottom if I needed to. I had reached out to the record reps that I knew in the industry. I was willing to potentially move to Nashville if I had to, to work for those guys and no one was hiring. Yeah. Uh, it was a really rough time in the entire country for every industry, but yeah. you know, radio plus, you know, me being a young kid with not as much experience and all these other professionals have been laid off with tons of experience. Like I just had no chance of getting in anywhere. Yeah. Uh, the job market was saturated with people looking for jobs. This was like what? Oh, three. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. This was okay. 2008. So in the time that I spent looking for a new job, I, again, I was close with this guy who was a Chick-fil-A operator. Mm -hmm. And eventually, like I said, I was about eight months later, I'm having dinner with him and his family. And he's like, Hey man, you know, I'm actually losing my marketing director uh, which is funny. He was going off. He was a pastor and he was going off to plant a church, which actually I wound up attending. He became my pastor, which oh, wow. was pretty cool. Uh, but the guy that was his marketing director was leaving. And he's like, you've got marketing experience. You don't have a job right now. Like, why don't you come work for me? And like, I was really hesitant because mm -hmm. to this to me was like taking a step backwards. You know, I yeah. found what I wanted to do. I'm not going to go work for Chick-fil-A, mm -hmm. but I needed a job. I hadn't worked in eight months. Uh, I was living with my parents and needed my life to move forward, you know? And I was like, okay, well, you know, let's talk about it. So I went in the next day, we had a long conversation. I decided I would take the job, but in my mind, it was just temporary. I was just going to do it till I could find something back in the industry that I wanted to be in. And man, it just always, it proves again, the old adage that, you know, we make plans and God laughs, right? Yeah. Because God always has a better plan for us than what we plan for ourselves. Uh, so that first restaurant is actually where I met my wife, my mm -hmm. wife, Caitlin, who, you know, if, again, if you work f for me, you've met and she's a, a major part of what we do. 
uh, Caitlin was one of the leaders in that first Chick-fil-A. And, you know, so we met just working there and hanging out after shifts. And uh, we had some mutual friends that we had gotten close with. And then we started getting close. And before you know it, you know, we fell in love. And here we are 10 years later, you know. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, but, yeah, got got married. Uh, not at that point, but, you know, started dating my wife when I was at that first restaurant. Still not sold on a Chick-fil-A career yet. Just, you know, still enjoying it and just figuring it out and trying to think of what the next step was. Uh, but I was starting to become intrigued. Was so this is when you were like serious with Caitlin. Uh, yeah, we had started dating. We we weren't like serious, serious yet. Oh, okay. And okay. when we were working at that first restaurant. Yeah. Uh, we dated for about a year before we got engaged. Uh, but I was already, I had moved on. So uh, about six months into working at that first restaurant, my operator, again, his name was Joe, found out he was getting a new restaurant where he grew up in Houston, Texas, and he was going to be moving, mm -hmm. which was really difficult because he's the guy that sold me on Chick-fil-A. I wanted to work for him. And so, you know, he wound up leaving. We had, uh, you know, what's called an interim manager for a couple months, and then a new operator came in. And long story short there is just that you know, he, we didn't get along that great. He had a very different mindset on running the restaurant. And so we wound up parting ways and I left and I thought I was done with Chick-fil-A. Uh, Caitlin stayed for a little bit and then she wound up leaving too. And, um, you know, she was really heartbroken because she loved Chick-fil-A. So yeah. she wound up going to work for Friendlies for a couple months. I went to work at a, I was the assistant manager of a jewelry store. Mm -hmm. which was great because at that time we were starting to get serious <laughs> and uh, I was going to need to buy a ring. So I wound up getting a nice, uh, a nice discount on yeah. a good ring for uh, my, my now wife. And so I spent a couple months there. She spent a couple months at friendlies. Uh, she finally got sick of working for friendlies and was like, I miss Chick-fil-A. Everything mm -hmm. here is like everybody, nobody cares. Everybody's doing everything like halfway. The kitchen's disgusting. Half the guys she worked with were out on work release from prison and she was just fed up. She says, sorry, Maybe. friendlies. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but that, that was the truth. Yeah. And she got fed up and she's like, hey, I'm going to go and apply at this other Chick-fil-A. It was about 20 minutes from where we lived in Easton, Pennsylvania. And uh, she was going to see what happened there. And I was like, well, you, you can do that if it makes you happy. I feel like I've got to stay doing what I was doing. Uh, and at the time, I actually I shifted from working at the jewelry store. I took a job selling insurance which I always tell people, God put that, that job in my life to teach me what it was like to do something you hated for 40 <laughs> hours a week because I hated that job. Yeah. And so, you know, I was there though because it paid well. I was good at it, even though I didn't care for it. it gave me benefits. And at this point, Caitlin and I were engaged and we were getting married and yeah. I needed to provide, right? And so uh, I thought, okay, this is, I'm stuck here. Yeah. You know, this is what I got to do. And, and honestly, man, I had applied for numerous jobs when I was working at that first chick or at that uh, insurance job because I, I just hated it and I wanted to get out and I couldn't even get an interview. Like the, yeah. the job market was still really bad at the time. The economy was still really bad and you were lucky to have a job, uh, let alone try to find a new one. So I was, I was resigned to, okay, I'll just stay here. Well, Caitlin goes to apply at this other Chick-fil-A and it was run by a name, guy named Luke Cook. And uh, Luke immediately saw the value in Caitlin, hired her almost on the spot. I think he brought her in for one other interview. And she was thrilled. This is like 2010? Um, 2011. Okay. Yes, 2011. So Caitlin decides she's going to go work at this other Chick-fil-A. And I was like, okay, well, enjoy that. I thought I was done because I needed to provide and I didn't think I could get 
you know, the pay I needed or the health benefits or anything like that. Well, she was there for about a year. And just from going in to visit her and spending time there, I got to know the guy who owned it. Uh, and he, you know, he had talked to me a couple of times about Chick-fil-A and his philosophies on Chick-fil-A, but hadn't really dove deep into it. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm here, I'm hating my job at the insurance company. My wife's loving her job working for Luke. We get married. And a couple months after that, she starts dropping little hints at work to her operator. Oh, my husband really hates his job. You know, I'm sure Mike would love to come back to Chick-fil-A. And, and those weren't things I was saying. Those are things, you know, she knew would yeah. be best for me. Yeah. You know, and I thought, no, I'm staying here at this insurance place because I got to provide, right? Well, one day, uh, Luke gives me a call. He's like, hey, man, what are you doing tomorrow? And he already knew it was my day off because my wife told him. Yeah. And I was like, well, it's my day off. He said, well, why don't you come down here and have breakfast with me? So I'm like, okay, yeah, why not? So I went down to his restaurant. We had breakfast. We wound up talking for about three hours that morning. And when I left that conversation, not only did I want to go work for him, I wanted to be a Chick-fil-A operator because my friend Luke is incredibly, um, he's a passionate guy. He's a visionary. Uh, he believes, like I do, that this is so much more than just selling chicken. The influence that we have to impact lives, both uh, on our team and just the guests that come into our restaurant, yeah. he wanted to leverage those things to make a difference. Mm -hmm. And I was inspired by that. I never heard anybody talk about a job like this in that way. And so I went in the next day, put in my two weeks notice at the insurance company and decided to go work for Luke. So started with him. Um, Caitlin and I are working together now and everything was good until we found out that Luke now was getting the opportunity to move back to where he grew up in Hammond, Louisiana and open a new restaurant. And so we're going through what we just went through a couple of years prior with our first operator all over again. Yeah. How long were you working for him when you found that out? I was there for like three months wow. when we found okay. that out. And so I was heartbroken because I was like, here's this guy that I believe in that I, I know he can help me get to where I want to go if I want to be a Chick-fil-A operator. And uh, I don't want to work for anybody else. Yeah. And so luckily, you know, he invited us to come with him to help him start this new restaurant. And it was crazy. I never wanted to move away from Pennsylvania, but through a number of different things and just a lot of thought and prayer, we chose to move across the country to a place we'd never been. And a random old guy praying with you. Yes. And, and a, <laughs> a guy who, who prayed with me and helped me feel comfortable about, about the move. Yeah. And so we packed up everything and moved to Hammond, Louisiana in uh, 2013. Mm -hmm. And it was one of the best things I ever did. It was very hard, obviously, in the beginning. I, we didn't know anybody other than Luke and his wife that we'd followed there. But the things I learned about myself, uh, not even just Chick-fil-A, just about what I was made of, right? Like mm -hmm. I had been very comfortable up until that point, living at, in the area I grew up in, all my friends, my family there. And I again, I never wanted to leave. And making this giant leap not only did it put me outside of my comfort zone, not only did it put me in a place where I was forced to adapt and learn, but Caitlin and I had only been married for a year at this point. So it put me in a position where I really only had my wife to rely on. She really only had me to rely on. And in those years, we got so much closer because uh, we only had each other, right? Yeah. And so I, I truly believe our marriage is as strong as it is today because we made that move mm. and because we, we grew a lot together in that time. And so, you know, we're there. We spent about three years 
uh, living in Hammond and mm -hmm. uh, we were about 45 minutes outside of New Orleans. So we got to experience all the fun stuff like Mardi Gras and all the crazy foods that come with Louisiana and uh, it was really an incredible time for us. Yeah. Um, but I always had this yearning to come back north. Like I loved living in Louisiana. It was fun, but I never truly felt at home. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, getting to open up that restaurant and build an organization with Luke from scratch and learning everything I did, it, it was what helped me become really competitive to be a Chick-fil-A operator. And if you know anything about this company, it, I mean, it, it was this way when I got selected back in 2016. It's far more difficult now, but like it, it is one of the hardest companies to get into. It's one of the most sought after companies to be a part of currently. Yeah. And so, you know, they have something like 50,000 applicants a year and mm -hmm. they choose maybe 100 to 120 operators, something like that. It's crazy. Yeah. So it, it is, uh, it's like catching lightning in a bottle, yeah. you know, to get yeah. selected. And, and I knew that going into it, but had all the confidence and all the faith in the world that I had found my calling mm -hmm. and I was not going to stop until I achieved it. And so thankfully, a lot of hard work, a lot of uh, preparation and a lot of help from other people. You know, no, nobody truly is a self-made man or self-made woman, right? Like you yeah. always have people along the way who teach you or help you. Uh, there's a lot of people, you know, my, my wife, my parents, Luke, you know, other, other friends and colleagues throughout the years that helped me become who I am today and made me competitive to be a Chick-fil-A operator. So went, in, went through the whole application process, the interview process, uh, literally was the hardest thing I'd ever done in my life up until that point and got selected to be the owner of Chick-fil-A at the Paramus Park Mall in Paramus, New Jersey in September of 2016. Uh, I failed to mention that prior to that, uh, right around the time I started to fill out the application for to become an operator, we also had our first child, Logan, uh, <laughs> when we were living in Louisiana. So I have two boys currently. Uh, my oldest is Logan. He's a little over four at this time. And my youngest is Cameron. He's almost two. He'll be two in about a month. And we actually have a third on the way. Um, you know, at, at the point that you're listening to this, we probably already have the third baby. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the baby's due in August of this year, 2020. And uh, we don't know what it is yet. We're finding out <laughs> in a couple weeks. But obviously hoping for the girl where we got two boys. So. Yeah. Uh, but we'll be very happy no matter what, obviously. So So can we pause right there? Really yeah, quick? yeah, yeah. So... Um, you're now just three, no, wait, what would that be? Yeah, they'd be about uh, four years earlier from getting Paramus Park Mall. You were kind of at this place where you're like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I am working at a job that I absolutely hate. You know, you're not married yet. You're getting, you're, you're getting ready to be married and stuff. Now, fast forward four years ahead, you are now an operator. You're at like what most people now we know or I know our team will soon know that you're never complacent, but you hit a goal, you know, like a huge, huge goal that like, how, how did that feel? Like just being like, man, like I, I started here. I didn't want to work at Chick-fil-A and now I'm owning my own store, running my own business. I have a great family. Like, like you achieved like a monumental pillar in your life. Like, like how, what was going through your mind at that point? That's a great question. It is one of those things where like, you know, you, you, as life happens to you, you don't always see it as it's happening. Yeah. Right. Like you go from one thing to the other, you take one opportunity to the next and it builds and builds and builds. Right. Mm -hmm. 
I would say in that moment, obviously, when I got selected to be an operator, so happy, so thankful. My wife and I went out and celebrated that night. Uh, it, it was surreal, right? Yeah. But I think the perspective I have now looking back on it, you know, one of the things that you'll probably hear me talk about a lot is just an attitude of gratitude, mm-hmm. right? Like every time I look back on my life and I look back on, like you said, four years prior to becoming an operator, I was directionless and hated what I was doing. I am so thankful mm-hmm. uh, to God, to the people in my life who who came in and you know made a difference. Uh, I'm thankful that I met my wife because frankly, I would not be who I am today without her. And I'm not just saying that during brownie points. It's very true. Mm-hmm. She gave me the courage to do things like leave everything I knew and move across the country because I had her with me. Yeah. Right. She was the one who consistently encouraged and pushed me to do things I didn't think I could do. Yeah. And so, yeah, in the moment it was great, but even more so now, I mean, I'm almost brought to tears thinking about every step that was taken, how very easily it could have gone the other way. Yeah. Uh, How, you know, had I been in that moment when I was given the opportunity to move to Louisiana, had it been the same person I was just a year prior, I wouldn't have done it. Mm -hmm. But you know, and again, that comes back to the point of this podcast is just continual growth, continual development and pushing yourself. It's not just some meaningless platitudes that sound good or, you know, help sell books. Like these are the really, truly the basic things that help someone succeed in life. Yeah. You know, and we'll talk more about like what does success mean? But I think a very general definition of success is are you excelling and are you being the best version of who you can be? I think too many people unfortunately you get complacent like you said yeah and they take the path that's easiest or they take the path that is of least resistance Mm -hmm. and honestly that's who I was for you know probably my late teens and my early 20s when I was not going to classes and things like that yeah uh it was because it was hard right I used to shy away from things that were difficult when I was younger and more immature and oh we only really truly dove into things that came naturally like Music's a great example. Yeah, music came very naturally to me because my dad's a musician. I grew up with him my whole life. There's a certain like genetic thing I'm sure imbued in me that you know <laughs> I'm I'm naturally geared towards music. But when it started getting harder, I would tend to shy away from that. You know, yeah. I would I play guitar and and learning scales and learning uh, leads and things like that. That gets very difficult. And so I'm still not great at those mm-hmm. things, honestly. Um, not because I'm complacent now but because i've actually invested my time into yeah. other things but it it was a very natural place for me to be so having been pushed past that and growing and developing into the person i was you know and, and taking those leaps of faith taking those opportunities uh listening to you know whether it be the lord or uh friends and, and just taking sound advice and knowing how to discern what sound advice is uh, all those things led me to where i was so you know the truth is I still live that feeling every day. I have yeah. to pinch myself that this is where I am because uh, I am very blessed and I am very uh, just, I, I'm in awe of what's ha- what my life has become and very thankful. Yeah, that's awesome. So that was a great question. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but getting back to the, the flow of my story. Yeah, because you get- you're almost at the point where you meet me, so. Right, on. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I got to be uh, the owner of Paramus Park uh, this was September of 2016. I was selected, 
we moved back from Louisiana back up north and uh, was very happy to, obviously, because like I said, I always had a, a desire to go back north and yeah. go back to where it was familiar and something that felt like home, which, um, you know, where we lived at the time. And we lived in New York where I was born at the time. So that very much did feel like home. And, you know, I was I, I was very confident that, you know, I, I had run a freestanding restaurant in Louisiana with a drive through and a dining room. And at that time it was like six million dollars in sales. And I was like, OK, this should be a breeze going into this mall. And I think at the time our, our mall was two and a half million dollars. I was like, oh, yeah, this should be a breeze. And it was anything <laughs> but I learned so much from the experience of being the owner at the mall when we took over. It was April of 2017. I had brought two people with me from our restaurant in Louisiana. One of them is still with us, and, and you know him as uh, your financial director, director of care. His name is Brad. Brad followed me from Louisiana, uh, and one other guy who has since gone back. But I had those two guys, and I had three other employees that were staying uh, <laughs> from the old team. The operator who was there before me, he had been there for 30 years. He got a freestander, and he was taking the whole team with him because his restaurant was only a few miles away. And so we had to find, hire, train, and then go back through and, and do it all over again because a lot of those people didn't pan out. Yeah. Um, we did that two or three times, you know, just replacing almost the whole team throughout the first six to eight months in that restaurant. Yeah. Uh, it was very difficult. And also we were a very busy restaurant, especially for a mall. Uh, Paramus Park Mall is one of the top volume restaurants in, in the chain for malls. And so... Spent a lot of time at the restaurant, spent a lot of time just developing other leaders and getting it to a good spot. I met you in August of that year. Yeah. I convinced you to come work for me, which was a, a feat a in word. and of itself. Convinced. I had to convince you. <laughs> you were not sold. And, and maybe we can dive into that a little bit later. But, you know, had started to get a lot of great people around me. And, you know, one of the things I've always said is, you know, I, I continually pray for fantastic people. You know, I'm, I'm constantly praying for our team and praying that, you know, God will send the right people to come and work for us and be a part of what we're doing. And that absolutely, he, he delivered in spades at the mall, uh, you know, and, and it wasn't always easy. You know, there were times where we went through seasons where we didn't have enough people or we didn't have enough of the right people, but we continued to refine the team, refine the team further and uh, grew to have a, a great team and achieve some really incredible goals. And, uh, in 2019, we had the best year we ever had. Yeah. Uh, we were up 48% in sales. We hit pretty much every major goal and won every major award that Chick-fil-A has. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then because of that, I was also selected to be the owner of the, the restaurant that they were building at the time uh, in Wachung, New Jersey, uh, on Terrell Road, which was a feat in and of itself. We had to compete against other operators and we had to really prove that we were ready for this next step. Mm -hmm. So and now here we are having... Uh, being just a couple months away from opening brand new restaurant yeah. and, uh, you know, hiring hopefully 150 people yeah. and bringing nine of you guys with me from the mall, which again, I'm, I'm incredibly thankful and appreciative of that you trust me and you want to follow me. And, you know, some of you like Absolutely. yourself, JD, want to be operators. And yeah. I hope that I can be for you what Luke was for me and help you achieve your dreams and give you every resource and every opportunity to, to uh, be successful. You know, yeah. and, and hopefully it's within Chick-fil-A, but, you know, even if it wasn't for you for, you know, being an operator, if it's another person, they don't want to be an operator. What can we do? What can we give you 
even if this is your first job, that's going to make you a better person and give you uh, some marketable skills that are going to help you achieve your dreams and, and what you want to do, whether it be in a career or at school or, or whatever it might be. Yeah. Yeah. So that is my story. Uh, I think I covered everything. Is there anything I missed that you can think of? No, I, I think that that's, that's it. I mean, yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's what I remember of your story, but what makes you, let me see how to phrase this. What makes you so passionate about what you're passionate about? You are very passionate about growing people, about delving into people. One of the first things you told me is that as a company, um, we, we grow people first, we sell chicken second. It's something that has stuck with me still to this day. I say it in every, you know, um, new hire orientation that I have. Why is that something that's so passionate to you? Yeah, I think I think some of it is just my natural bent towards relationships. I'm definitely more of a people person over a result. And so I value people uh, and I value those relationships. I think everybody does, but some people are more uh, inclined to really dial in on like, you know, spreadsheets and numbers. Yeah. I'm more passionate about the people, right? But I think the other part of it is just proven uh, results from that focus, right? Yeah. You know, Truett, Kathy, our founder, the founder of Chick-fil-A, he always used to say that we're not in the chicken business, we're in the people business and we happen to sell chicken. And so I've always taken that to heart because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how great our product is, doesn't matter you know all the systems that are in place, if we don't have the people and the right people yeah. to do it, then we're not gonna be successful. You know, every company, I don't matter, care what you do, you could be selling cell phones, you could be selling clothes, like you need a person to do those things. And so if you are not treating people like they are people and rather than just a number or just a pair of hands or a means to an end, they're going to leave you, right? And yeah. they're going to go find something else. And, and I don't ever want to be that employer that it has a revolving door of people because people don't feel appreciated and they don't feel cared for. And so the things that I'm passionate about, A, is because I want people to know how valuable they are. I want the people who come to work for us to notice, and it's not just meaningless, it's not just you know a pat on the back, but I'm truly appreciative of you. I'm thankful that you're here, and I wanna put actions behind those words. I don't wanna just throw you a paycheck and say, there you go, Like I wanna give you opportunity. I wanna give you development. Uh, you know, but the only thing is, is that that a lot of that's on you too. You have to be willing to seek it. Yeah. And I, I can't like force anybody to grow, right? But I think in my story, as I kind of mapped it out for you just now, the evidence of who I've become is due to being pushed to grow, right? Yeah. And so I see the value in it. And so when I have a 16-year-old kid who tells me, Mike, I have these dreams and the, uh, these aspirations and this is who I want to be, I'm like, awesome, let's help you achieve that. However, you got to realize it's going to be uncomfortable and you're going to yeah. be forced to grow. And anything that is worth having is worth fighting for and it's, it's, it's going to take time. It's going to take hard work. Right. And so I've always wanted to have that kind of impact on people. And I get to do that through this chicken restaurant. Right yeah. now, don't get me wrong. I love Chick-fil-A with all my heart. I believe in the product 1 million percent. It is the best chicken sandwich. Uh, we have the best food uh, for any quick service restaurant and the best service. Right. That's what we, we become synonymous with fantastic service. Right. Yeah. But I, I want to be that first, you know, because we have to do that. That's what we have to do to run a business, right? We have to sell chicken. We have to run a restaurant, but I also want to be in equal parts, uh, 
leadership development. I want to be growth. I want to be somebody who helps bring out the best in people. Right. And so if that's you, if that's who you are, then you have a place on this team. If that's not you, you might not have a place on this team. Uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't expect everybody to become a leader. Obviously if there's, you know, everybody's a leader than nobody is. Right. Yeah. But I do expect everybody to push themselves to grow and develop and, and become the best version of who they are. Right. And so whatever we can do to help accomplish that, I want to put time and resources and, and people like yourself who I have created your whole job role around leadership development. The, the point of that is having somebody focused on spending time with our team members and helping to push them to be leaders. We have a great development program that you and I have created and, and uh, built, and it's been proven at our last restaurant and hopefully here soon that it works and that, you know, when you invest time and resources into people, they will step up and they will uh, surprise you and surprise themselves. Right. So I think that the reason I'm so passionate about that is again, it's just proven in my life. It's been proven in the lives of many of my friends, you know, especially even those who are operators, we've all got a story like mine, some worse, you know, some coming from horrible situations and, and rising above it because they force themselves to grow. That's awesome. So leadership cares. That's, that's the name of the podcast. Um, what, what exactly does it mean? How does it tie into what we do at Chick-fil-A? Yeah. So that's a great question. So Chick-fil-A has recently made a uh, mission that we want to be the most caring company. We want to be associated with the word cares. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a genuinely ambitious and uh, very uh, honorable goal to have that we want to be a company that truly cares for people. And I think that works on many different levels. It's for our team members, it's for our guests, it's for the community. Uh, we don't want to be a company that people view as like either our care is not genuine and we're just trying to get their money or that we don't care at all. And, you know, because either way, then you're not going to want to do business with us. You're not going to want to dine with us. It's not going to be someplace that you want to be. Right. And so as I thought about the point of this podcast and when I could really encapsulate how I feel about leadership and something I've always taught you guys is that you have to have a genuine relationship with people. They can sense bull, right? People, people know when you're just trying to get something out of them. And so beyond just, you know, working to get them better at their job or helping them grow. And, you know, we just talked a lot about that. If we're going to get those kind of results from people, or if we're going to get people to see the value in themselves, we have to genuinely care about them. And so a mandate for my leadership team is that we care. Mm -hmm. Leadership cares. They put the time in, they show, you know, they show up, they show the work, they give people, you know, a piece of themselves and and they expect something in return. That's caring. And, uh, you know, it's, it's as simple as asking somebody and genuinely caring about how their day is. Right. You know, so many people walk right by you. Hey, how you doing? But then they don't stop to find out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Truly asking, Hey, how are you doing? And wanting to know, right. That's something small or something big. Like when we find out that somebody on our team is in need or that they have a death in the family or they're going through something, how do we impact them and help them through that situation rather than just being like, okay, well, you know, make sure you show up at work. Obviously that's important, right? We need people to be here to run the business, but not at the expense of, of themselves, not at the expense of, you know, if if they're in a hard time, like we want to work with them on that. And so truly showing we care, showing we care in our day-to-day 
operations of our business, showing that we care in how we raise up leaders and grow leaders and developing people who understand the value of the person and not just the dollar. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's why I named this podcast Leadership Cares. And that's if you go through our leadership development program or you listen to any of these other podcasts, which a lot of them will be about our, our leadership program and how we uh, you know, our philosophies around that. You're going to hear the word care all the time because at the heart of who we are, we want to be the most caring company and I want yeah. to be the most caring restaurant in the most caring company. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we, we have gone through uh, certain you know, steps to get there, you know, things like developing a leadership development program, like doing this podcast. We have a role in our business called the director of care, mm -hmm. right? So we're doing things that are focusing on how can we show that genuine care to our team members, to our team, I'm sorry, to our guests and to our community. Yeah. You know, one of the really cool things that, um, like, like it's kind of a hot topic now. It's kind of this, uh, industry versus mental health you know mm. and a lot of people are like you need to put your mental health first and what i think that uh you know uh we do really well is kind of combining the two you know mm -hmm. like being able to have a functioning business while also caring about people's mental health at the same time it's not one or the other so i mean i'm really excited to show the team how how we do that that's a great point and unfortunately i think a little bit sometimes can go the other way. You see a lot of things on social media where it's all about self-care yeah. uh, at the expense of everybody else, yeah. right? Yeah, and, exactly. and that's not okay either, yeah. right? There is a balance. You know, you can be healthy uh, mentally and, and socially while also caring about others and working hard and doing a good job, right? Yeah, it's absolutely. not just, you know, hey, my life is most important and therefore I'm calling out of work and not showing up and making the rest of the team suffer because I need a mental health day. Like that, that's not okay either. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. you're right. Like we, we try to meld the two and, and understand. I, I think there's, there's a maturity that you have to have to truly grasp that both are important and how do I balance them, right? You know, I, it's hard. It's hard for me sometimes. Like, mm -hmm. you know, people don't real always realize, but the amount of things that are on my plate, it can be overwhelming, even though I'm the operator, right? And I have to take those days or I have to take time sometimes to just do the things that reinvigorate me and, and make me happy, right? Like yeah. playing music or getting some time with my, my sons or my wife and uh, just recharging, right? Because I can't be the best version of me in the business if I'm not the best version of me outside of the business. Yeah. Same for the people who work with us. I don't expect you to be the best version of you at the business when your life's in shambles outside of the business, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I think one of the biggest components to being able to help in those things is communication, right? Mm. How many times have we had team members who you notice, man, they are not themselves. They're not doing a good job and that might go on for weeks and we might start to think, well, they're checked out. They don't want to be here anymore. Or their job is slipping. And really there's something going on at home that they haven't told anybody. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I'm never going to say, you know, I'm forcing things out of you, but please know that you truly have people here who care about you, who want to find ways to help. Even if it's just, Hey, you might notice I'm a little different. Here's why. And please just have patience with me. We will do that, but I can't do that if I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I think that's a good point to be made though. You know, we, we're here for you. We want to be a part of your life, both in and outside of the restaurant. And we want to make sure that, that you can be the best version of you. And so, you know, but never at the expense of one or the other. It has to be both. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. So uh, thanks for this time, JD. I, I truly appreciate uh, you 
producing and, and <laughs> helping me get this off the ground. Absolutely. Love doing it. And, uh, you know, we will continue to do these and we're gonna have some special guests. As I said, we're going to go around and interview some of my friends, some other operators in our market and, uh, get their input and hear a little bit about their stories. And, uh, if you are going through our leadership development program, some of these podcasts will be assigned to you as coursework to, to <laughs> move up through the ranks in our business. But uh, I'm really excited about this podcast. I think it's going to be a great outlet for us to have some fun, but also uh, impart some good wisdom and and some experience to our team. So thanks for joining us this week. Thanks for listening. And uh, for this week and for Leadership Cares, I'm Mike Thornton. And I'm J.D. Allen. And thanks for joining us on the Leadership Cares podcast. The Leadership Cares podcast is produced by Revived Entertainment Company.